Happy Mother's Day to everyone. To all the, to all the mothers. Thank you, Bill. Not you. Well, to mothers. When is Father's Day? June. June. Well, we have a few people out. Uh, Buddy's out because his mom's actually being baptized in another church, so he's over there being with his mother. And then Tracy had to leave because she's going to be with her mother too. So she st- she came for worship, and then she had to go over there. So we're kind of all scattered everywhere. Um, but uh, but love you guys. Whew, what a morning. Listen, I I have slept all the way through the night, two nights in a row. That may not mean much to you guys, but it's been awesome. It's pretty neat, pretty neat to be settled and like kind of not wondering what's going to happen. It's been pretty cool. Um, if you weren't here last week, we we really talked probably more than we should have, <laughs> but I really drilled home basically the session of Christ that Christ is seated and the reason why we we're still going through the gifts and, and what that looks like. And uh, the reason why we can operate in those gifts is because of the session of Christ, meaning Christ is seated, that his work is finished. And the reason why we can do what we do is because we we relate to that the same way he does. We, we have a restored relationship with the Father, and the reason we can do greater things is because he's now inside all of us. We're little temples. Boop, 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 boop. We walk, we're walking, talking temples. We're not just in this building. There's not this holy of holies. We are it. He has made his righteousness a home in our hearts. He has brought the kingdom with him, and that's who we are. So... Because of that, we're going to kind of move forward in, in kind of what that looks like. Um, first of all, we need to establish God's priority is not to change you. God is not some clever addition to our lives to make our lives better. That's not, he's, he's bigger than that. You were dead, flat out dead in your transgressions. Spiritually, you were dead. He, he didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive, right? You are... <laughs> You are not an improved version of your old self. You are brand new. What I talked about, this couple that we were talking to, that's what they have experienced, and that's what they're so excited about, is that the old them is gone, and there's a new person. There's a new, there's a new creation now living inside them, and it's Jesus. It's his Holy Spirit. That's what's exciting about this gospel. It's not he'll make everything work out for you, even though he seems to do, he has a tendency to do that um, as far as how he operates, uh, not from blessings and cursings, but out of grace. And so from that place, you begin, to, you begin to act differently. You begin to speak differently and react differently because of that, right? It's not so that, it's because of. Does that make sense? So it's, um, it's placed in our hearts. It's, this, it's this, this good news of this gospel that's given to us that we can live from now. It's source. So his priority is to live in and through you, not just to change you. This is why Jesus said, unless your righteousness is greater than the Pharisees, it's because the old covenant was all about outward things to try to make themselves look good, but the new covenant is inside and it works its way out. So what he was trying to show when he said that was all of these outward expressions that you can touch, see, feel, taste, all that stuff is about to change. It's going to be this basically this invisible kingdom that I'm going to place inside of you. And that can mess with your head, right? It's, it's a little harder to imagine things if you can't always see them and touch them and, and experience them in an outward way, but they're actually internal. There's something going on inside of us, and so he's trying to explain that to them and get them to a place where they can see it. So we're going to go all the way back to the beginning, Genesis 1.26. If you're new to the Bible, this is the easiest one to find because it's all the way in the beginning. Uh, Genesis 1.26. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image. We talked a little bit about this last week. Image there is not God has ears and eyes, and he's not talking about that. Image is the Greek word icon, which we get our term icon, like icons on your phone or computer, 
I know. Um, but it is the very character of God. So God created us like him in his character to, to operate and act and, and, and be like God. It's why we're called little, we're called Christians, like little Christs. We're to, we're to be like him. That's how we were created. Now, all, the whole big deal we made about the session of Christ last week is because Jesus did something. When he said it was finished, there was something that actually happened. He didn't, he didn't just take us to a different place. He took us back to a place where, where our relationship was restored with God. Like all the way, he like restored it all the way back to Eden. <laughs> like this is where we are now. We are, we are operating like hand in hand with God. Genesis one twenty six says, Then God said, Let us make man in our own image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the cattle, over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed. Now listen to this. Which is on the face of all, of all the earth, and every tree whose, whose fruit yields seed. To you, to you it shall be for food. Also to every breast, every beast, not breast, every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life. I have given every herb for food, and it was so. Verse 28 says, God blessed them. We have, to, we have to recognize this isn't a command for you to go and do these things. He has blessed us to be able to do these things. The trees have seeds. They have fruit on them. The animals have life. The seed reproduces. The animals reproduce. All these things reproduce. God's very character is a reproducing character. He, everything he goes out and does, it reproduces itself. It's the same thing we saw with Jesus' life on earth when he walked around. His kingdom would manifest itself when he would go and heal someone. And subsequently, subsequently he never did that the same, the same way. He would do it in lots of different ways. He would spit in the dirt one time and rub it in somebody's eye, and then they would be healed. And then he would say, well, I don't even need to be there. I can just say that this person's healed and go do that. And then even this flies in the face of a lot of people that really struggle with this. He even progressively healed people. He would, he would pray over and over again, and they would get healed a little bit at a time. I think he did this because he knew how we were. We would try to formulate a pattern to try to... I think it's the same way Jesus isn't described physically in the Bible anywhere. I think the Holy Spirit did that on purpose because we would try to look like him. That's how goofy we are. <laughs> I mean, seriously, we, we would try to formulate this key or this, this thing that we could do, these steps that we could take, and the whole point was that it's not about the steps you can take. It's about the step that I made. It's what I did so that you could have this. He comes with grace and gifts, and he says, look... You couldn't do it on your own. You couldn't earn it. You don't deserve it, but I'm going to do it for you. If, I think, I think very clearly, the Bible has taught us that he, there, was, there was no perfect formula to this other than Christ himself. He created us to be like him and that we reproduce everywhere we go. There's a difference in the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee. The Dead Sea is uh, the Dead Sea for a reason. It's very salty. It's literally so dense you could float in it. And you could drown someone, you really have to push them down. But it's, it's very dense, and things just go there to die. So it's called the Dead Sea. It's, it doesn't flow very well, but the Sea of Galilee flows, and it's very good. It's full of life, right? It's the same way when, when God spoke to dirt and created us, and he said to the air and let the birds fly, he creates things and he multiplies things. He's created us to do the same thing. 
When we go out and we speak, when we speak life to people, that's, what, that's the gift that he's given us is to speak life. It's not just to go perform like we're just like magicians or something. We're like doing these things because, hey, look at me, I've got this gift. He has given us the very, the very life, eternal life that we can share with other people. He's made us in his character so that we can do that. That's what Jesus restored. The Dead Sea is basically a sponge. <laughs> things come there and they just sit. The Sea of Galilee is flowing and constantly going out. It's like a conduit. We talk about we're an R&D church. We receive and distribute. You can't give away something you don't have. We have to recognize that we have this. We have this inside of us. <laughs> yes. First Peter 4.10 says, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, this is so important that we see this. Each one has received. We didn't earn it. We've, get, we've gotten it from God. What do we do with it? We minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. That word manifold there um, in the Greek literally means multiple things that come into one place. The first thing that I think of because I'm a car guy is an intake manifold or an exhaust manifold. If you know cars, you have an intake manifold. Basically, a car, an engine breathes. It breathes in and it goes out. So you have air coming in. You mix fuel. You, happy Mother's Day. You get to learn a car lesson. <laughs> air comes <laughs> Air comes in. Do what? Feels like every day. <laughs> so in an engine, an air comes in. I'm going to go somewhere with this, I hope. Air comes in. There are multiple ports that it goes to for each cylinder, and there's timing that each cylinder has to fire at a certain time. There's lots of poetry in it. But it comes in, there's a manifold. It's one place, and then it's to multiple different things. When it goes into the engine, all the explosions happen. The power comes out. The exhaust has to come out in an exhaust manifold, which is multiple that go into one. Does that make sense? So in order, on, on my end, I, do, I like performance. So performance means more air in, more air out, right? This is very basic, basic car performance, if you'd like to know. Um, that's why you put superchargers, turbochargers, nitrous, and all this on it. It's because it forces more air in so that you can have more exhaust out. All that to say, a manifold is multiple things that collect into one area, okay? It's the same, basically the same term that's, that's used here in the Bible. It's multiple things that come together for one specific purpose. The thing about it is, if one of those things, and Ben's experienced this recently with one of your work trucks, when one of those cylinders doesn't fire, what happens? It don't run very good. So it sometimes won't run at all. It doesn't function well if all the, all the cylinders aren't firing because of this manifold. If you don't have the right amount of air in the certain places that it's got to be, if the timing's not correct, if the exhaust is not working correctly, if all those things aren't working together, the engine doesn't perform. It either performs poorly or it doesn't perform at all. This is how we are as a church body. Part of the problem that, that and I'm going to get on a soapbox a little bit here, so maybe I won't get too far off, but who knows. Part of, part of what should be, in my opinion, and I believe what I see in Scripture too, what, what should be building each other up in the church, not just in our church, but the Big C Church, is the very thing that divides us and causes uh, fights and quarrels among people is that we are all different. What I run into a lot is people will try to gather with other people that have the same gifts as them instead of honoring each other's gifts in a certain body. This is the exact opposite of what the Bible tells us to do. Listen, feet work great for walking, sometimes running if you're younger. <laughs> a nose does not do well to walk on. If you rode bikes when you were kids, you know this, if, if you went over the handlebars, <laughs> your nose doesn't do well for going, moving forward. It'll just hurt. In the same way, you guys are all gifted in different areas. 
And if we're not operating in our giftings, we're not firing on all we're not firing on all cylinders. We're not functioning correctly. If here's an even if you want to look at this bigger, the Big C Church. If we say, okay, well, I want to find somebody that agrees with me more. Well, I don't want to push too far there. Let's say operates in the similar gifting that I do, and I go find a group of people that do that. Then you're you're essentially taking an arm and severing it, and it is no good. You're taking a bunch of arms and throwing them somewhere, and it's no good to the body. Does this make sense? We can't do that. That's, that's how cults form. <laughs> this is how we end up with cults. Instead of, instead of unity, we have uniformity. I'm not looking for everyone to follow me. I'm looking for everyone to build each other up, and in, in the process, we have a, a good functioning engine, <laughs> a good body, right? It doesn't matter how good your heart is. If you take it out of the body, it's no good anymore. It has to be connected. This is why we're the bride of Christ, the Bible calls us. We are his body. We are the ones that he cares for. And if, if we don't see that the way that we function is to build each other up and not separate and divide, it's, it's gonna, it kills the church. It kills the body. Go take an engine and pull a spark plug out of it. You know what I'm saying? Get to go take an engine and take, the, take three of the intake manifolds off and see how well that engine runs, if at all. It doesn't. In the same way, the body doesn't function unless we're all working together in the same direction. This is the bigger picture that we have to see. This is what the tendency with giftings is to teach on how do you focus on this one gifting and then operate in that gifting and then practice it and do all those kind of things. And I can't do that. I can't in good conscience do that because that puts too much emphasis on you. And that's not what we're supposed to do. The emphasis should be on Jesus all the time. Together, <laughs> building each other up towards a common goal. You see how that works? Even then, we have received, it says right here, we have received these. It says, each one has received. Did y'all hear that? If you're born again, guess what? You have a gift. You're not going to. You don't need to find it or work it out. You have it. You got it. You have this gift. It says, each one has received a gift. What do we do with it? Read the second part. Minister it to one another. This is real simple. <laughs> Minister it to one another. Timing. <laughs> Back to the engine, the whole engine metaphor. I've, I've told you guys, and you guys have seen to yourselves, I'm sure, how God's timing works. It's not always the same as ours. If we're not patient, especially in our giftings, we will do the same thing that we, we would be doing if we severed an arm. If we say, this has to happen in this certain way, and if it doesn't, then, it's not, then God's not working in it. No, that's our, that's our own perspective, and that's, that's separate from what God's is. We have to allow God to, to operate in his perfect timing in what we do. Too many times I've seen people that get impatient, especially with people that they're, they're, they're trying to minister to, and they will write them off as though they're lost when they've spent maybe six months with them, and these people needed a year, Right? Something I've experienced in my own life is when I have prayed and I haven't seen anything manifest quick enough, that's relatively speaking, but quick enough, I'd say, well, okay, well, then, then this must not be what I'm supposed to be doing. When it is what I'm supposed to be doing, it's just God's timing, not mine. This is all part of, of submitting to God because he has a better plan for us, is understanding that it's not all about what we see as results. It's about us seeing that the gospel is good news and where it goes, it brings life. The very character of God that he's given us will multiply. It has no other way to, to operate. The very beginning when he said, I've created you in my image, which is what Jesus restored for us, 
He says, go and multiply, subdue the earth. I've never, the, the, the problem is this whole trying really hard. We've driven, we've gone to Disney a few times, which I'm not a big fan of Disney, but on the way down there, we, <laughs> we, uh, we always pass all these groves, the orange groves and everything, and I've never seen one of those orange trees like, just like trying to pop out fruit. They just naturally do it. They're not like, and then fruit pops out. But when we talk about fruit here in the Bible, that's the way we imagine it, is that we have to try really hard to, to produce all this fruit. You shouldn't. It should fit you very well. It should be very natural for you. God gives you a gift that fits you perfect. This is, this is something we talked about a few weeks ago, that it's, it's very natural for us if you genuinely care for people, which is what this new life gives you, that your gift will match whatever someone else needs because it's their needs that really dictate it, not our ability. Why? Because it says right here, use it to build each other up. The gifting that we get is for building up of other people. We are not all the same. <laughs> I can say this over and over and over again. Stop trying to get someone else to operate in your gifting and stop being frustrated when you don't operate in someone else's gifting. You're not less than anyone else and they're not less than you. I've seen so many relationships broken over this and it just kills me. Your gift may not look like someone else's. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Romans 12.3 says, For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than, than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Listen, he even gives us the faith. For as we have many members, going back to that manifold, as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. Let me say that again. All the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to, to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us, use it, our, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Listen, he has given us all differing gifts according to the grace that he's given us. That's okay. Stop comparing yourselves to each other. Gift in verse 6 is the Greek word for charisma. Grace is the Greek word for charis. Charis is the root word for charisma. Both of these are grace that gives it to us. We can't have these gifts without grace. None of us have a gift that we earned. Stop making other people try to earn it. There are two people that many of us know the story of, Mary and Martha. And many times we try to categorize ourselves in between who these, one of these two people, either Mary or Martha. You guys know the story? Stop doing that. <laughs> there was something specific happening there, and I think too many times we try to connect to that, something that's not really there. What was going on is Mary wasn't helping Martha. She was doing all these different things, and she was worshiping at Jesus' feet, Remember? Martha gets upset and says, Mary needs to be helping me. And literally the word service there is ministry. Martha was running around doing all this stuff. And Jesus says, 
don't worry about what she's doing. She's doing what's right right now, what's, what's most important and what's better she's doing right now. That doesn't mean that should, you know, like should Martha never cook again or clean again? No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying in each time, like we were talking about timing earlier, there's a time for something, and this time she's doing something better. What Jesus was frustrated with was the same thing we're talking about here is Mary's frustrated with Martha, and she's saying, or Martha's frustrated with Mary. She's saying she's not doing what she's supposed to be doing. She's more caught up in what she's doing than what she's supposed to be doing. Does that make sense? Too many times we're so caught up with what someone else is doing, we can't even operate in our own gifting because we're trying to compare ourselves to ourselves, which is what 2 Corinthians 10, 12 tells us not to do. Don't compare yourselves to other people. Don't, don't level yourself with other people. Operate in your gift, not, not trying to make someone else feel bad because they're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. They're not supposed to be doing it. Someone had to cook, someone had to clean, right? If Martha would have just done what, what she was gifted in and not worried about what Mary was doing, it would have been fine. But she was so frustrated, so frustrated with what she was doing that that was what Jesus had an issue with. She's doing something better. This is a different time. This is a timing issue. Psalm 139, 13 says, For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. The whole predestination thing people get caught up in is not at all what people think it is. The whole predestination thing is when you were born again and when God predestines you to be his children, he already knew it before he even created a day. The whole predestination thing is to emphasize that God is outside of time and space. He's not bound by what we're bound by. What he's saying is, I desire you to be my kids and for me to be your father. And he knows us so well that he, he wove his nature into us in our mother's womb. The Bible tells us he even knows that how many ha hairs are on our heads. If you have any doubt that God knows you, know that he knew you before you ever created. He knew you before days were even created. There's a tendency for us to feel insignificant in the grand scheme of things. I've seen some of these pictures on the internet that show the earth and then you zoom out. Have y'all seen these things? You zoom out and we look so tiny in the, in the grand scheme of the universe and all this. And every time I see that, I think, how awesome is God? <laughs> that he created all this, but he knows me. He's so big, but yet so personal. None of, that, and none of that leads me to think that God doesn't exist. It just leads me closer and closer to him. <laughs> he does. As the modern church, we've done a really good job at fighting and dividing over the very thing that should be building and expanding the kingdom. Listen, in giftings, a good test is if you feel like you're operating in your gift and um, someone, well, let me back up. If you feel like you're operating in your gift and relationships are broken, maybe take a step back and see where your gift is. 
Because the very heart of the Father from the very beginning in creating us in his image is to restore relationship. So if what we're doing is causing division instead of restoration, then we need to really check what our, what our, what our motives are. When Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand, he literally meant that we carry this kingdom with us. This new covenant that we have that works from the inside out, everywhere it goes, it brings life. It brings life to those that don't have life. It doesn't bring just an addition to their life. It brings the very thing that they need and that they, de- that they desire. Every one of you has at least one gift. Most of us more than one. But every one of you has a gift. I have zero doubt about that because the Bible just told me that, that you do. Don't think that you don't. Number one. Number two, we need you. Everyone else in this room needs you and your gifting. Tristan, you need Gabe because you can't play the drums. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Gabe, you need Tristan because you can't build a fence. That's a, a surfacy example, but it goes deeper than that. We need each other because we don't operate the same way. Stop comparing, comparing yourself to each other. Your gift was given to you when you were formed in your mother's womb, woven into your very existence. You were not forgotten, you were known. God placed a gift that fits you. Don't be afraid to operate in it. You're made to do it. Your gift is not there to end with you. Remember, you're not a sponge, you're not a dead sea. You're like the Sea of Galilee. It's there to flow, receive, and distribute. It's to be reproduced, bringing life to those around you. Everywhere you go, just like Jesus was the prototype, everywhere we go, the kingdom went with him. When we see it manifest, that's just the kingdom manifesting on earth as it is in heaven. Your gift is not the same as everyone else. Stop comparing yourselves to others. I know I've said that over and over again. Use your gift and watch it multiply. The cool thing about the grace of God is that when he gives it to us and we give it to other people, you can see things happen. I've seen this so many times where I've seen uh, people's lives changed from a distance. Specifically in youth, some 10 years ago, I said something to someone that I thought no one was listening to, and they came back to me 10 years later and said, that, that one thing that you said stuck with me for the rest of my life. And it was because of the Holy Spirit that went with it, and it multiplied. Listen, when you speak the gospel, when you give the gift that you have, it does not return void. It multiplies. What an awesome thing that we get to be a part of. You guys awake? You all have any questions or want to add anything? That's, that's pretty much all I got. Come on. Wait a minute. The Mary and Martha thing? Yeah. Because everybody always says, oh, Mary did what was right, and Martha was just, you know, doing housework. And But sometimes you're supposed to sit at the feet of Jesus, and sometimes you're supposed to make a sandwich and clean the toilet. Yep. Somebody has to clean the toilet. Yep. I mean, it has to happen. <laughs> but if Jesus is there, you should have already cleaned it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> True. The cool, the cool thing is, 
The cool thing is we all do at times have to operate outside our gifting. I've had to unclog toilets in the morning before I preach. <laughs> That's, there's nothing wrong. I'm not bragging about that. Like, <laughs> I just had to use the bathroom. But, <laughs> but I'm just saying because you operate in your gifting doesn't mean sometimes we don't step outside of that. And the, the cool thing, too, is, and I'll, 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 uh, I want to praise Carol some here, too. You, most of you guys don't see when you leave, Carol is running around here grabbing trash and cleaning up and putting up coffee and doing things like that. And, and even in the morning sometimes, well, yeah, well, all the time, she's in here making coffee and doing that kind of stuff. These are things that we, we don't necessarily see, but things that are beneficial to all of us. She is supporting the body by giving us coffee, which is very much supporting us. Not only that, if you've ever come in here on a Sunday with someone that left like a dirty diaper somewhere, she is supporting us by not making us fall out, not in the spirit, but just in, in the smell of a dirty diaper walking in the foyer. So in, in that sense, if in, not, not saying you're Martha, but in this sense, if Martha would have just done what she was supposed to do, she was, she was helping facilitate Mary's worship. Ultimately, right? I love that picture too, the same thing. I love that too. We want so bad to identify with things and just place them, and we also put way too much emphasis on our own personality when God gives us much, much more than that. Don't, don't. Yes. And to go down and get prayer. Right. It's not mutually exclusive. It's listening to the Lord for timing. Yep. Which goes back to my engine metaphor. I missed that part. If you take, if you, if you take <laughs> another thing you can do with an engine is take spark plugs and swip, switch where they go, and it will not run because it's not timed correctly. Each spark plug has to spark at a certain time to make an explosion inside of an engine. Same thing. If you, if you, if you're there and the timing is right, then worship. If you're there and the timing is right, then unplug the toilet <laughs> so we can use the bathroom. That's that's, that's pretty job. Yes. I've always been curious, like, what led up to that moment? Did you just, did Jesus say, hey, come on in, I have something to tell you? Because I know that Jesus didn't say, hey, come on, you go clean the toilets, you guys come in. You know, it's, I've heard it said that Martha was in there making tacos when Jesus never asked for tacos, you know, like kind of a thing. So it makes me wonder what happened, how Mary came there. Did she wonder in? I mean, what I know about Jesus, I feel like he would have been like, you, you're coming in here, you're with me, like, you know, like, just makes me wonder because that hmm. in that time period, the women weren't supposed to be in there, right? As well, so it's just it, all of it's really interesting to me. Well, and that's a good point too because culturally Jesus was did not fit in very well. Jesus, I always say, Jesus is one of the most one of the greatest uh, women liberators of his time, especially in that culture, because he did create such a value and put such a value on women too. Um, and I love, and I didn't, I don't want to, I didn't want to go too far down this road, but we will a little bit. I love that. Men and women, this is unpopular opinion, women and, men and women are different. <laughs> I hate that this whole, a lot of the feminist movement is trying to make women equal to men as though we're even close to being equal anyway. We're not. Women are so much cooler than we are, and I don't know why you're trying to dumb yourself down to be like us. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense to me. But I'm just saying, I'm saying, amen. I'm saying women are strong. This goes right along with the whole, everything that we're talking about here is we need each other. I, I need Tracy to be a woman, a strong woman. I don't need her to be a man. <laughs> I need her to be a woman because she is strong in areas that I'm not. And she needs me to be a man because I'm strong in areas that she's not. Uh, I don't know why this is so complicated. It's just, it's not. It's not. 
It, to me, it is, ro it is robbing women of their strength when you're trying to make them something that they're not. They're so much better than that. Ugh. Anyway, yes, I agree. And I don't, know, I don't know what I imagine in my head that Martha is just, <laughs> and this may be wrong, is just seeing someone else not working and being somewhere that she feels like she shouldn't be and being aggravated by it, that she needs to be helping her. Like, ah, oh, she's still in there, just, just laying around. Yeah, right. Well, that's another, oh, man, we could run, we could run down that road, too, with, with all of us falling into this routine and not recognizing when Jesus is doing something and, and picking the better thing in that specific. But that's a timing thing, too. I think the biggest problem is that Martha went to Jesus to complain about Mary. <laughs> Therein is the difficulty. I think that's how it got into the scripture. Look, I could preach another sermon about complaining and gossip. I don't know if we want to go there. <laughs> but, you know, Many under the guise of, of, of praying for people, so be careful with that too. But yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say she needed to recruit some help or something instead of going to her guest of honor and complaining. Yeah. Make Mary help me. Well, ultimately, anyway. ultimately, at the heart of it, I really do think that it's it's it was it was her not recognizing that some something was happening there that was outside of of whatever her gift was. It was outside of what she was familiar with, and therefore she wrote it off as being wrong. How many times have we done that? How many times have you gone into a church service and thought this isn't for me, and not sit there long enough to just to sit for a minute? Just wait. See what God has to say. Or in a, in, a, in a specific situation that you've been in around other people to say, well, I'm not going to do that because this may be awkward or this may be outside of my whatever cultural norm. I mean, even in America, we've got some pretty ridiculous ones where we, we will be too proud or too shy to, to just be caring to people. It's ridiculous, but I've seen it so many times. I mean, I've witnessed, I've done it myself where... I've told you guys most of the time when the Lord prompts me to do something, my 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 prequel or, or what I say first is, this is going to sound kind of weird, but, and it shouldn't sound weird because all I'm doing is caring. Uh, I just want to care for people, but it's not normal all the time. People don't, don't know what to do with it. When we used to do the gas buy-downs, I loved the, or even the dollar car wash, we would give them a dollar. I love people's faces when you bless them without, act, without looking for anything in return. That's what... One of the reasons we talked about, and actually Robin brought it up in our last meeting, is having the youth help us with the coffee is because they don't need to, and, and we were talking about, well, maybe we could give, you know, pay them something to go towards like a youth event or something, and we're like, no, they need to, they need to know that they can serve and care for people without expecting anything in return. It's a good lesson to learn. Amen. We need to do the same thing. When we used to buy down the price of gas, people would come in and they're like, why are you doing this? And we're like, we just, gas is high, and we want to bless you guys. That's it. It wasn't to invite you to come to our church, although they could if they wanted to, but that wasn't the purpose. And I love that Mark would tell us that, too. It's like, look, we're not just trying to get people to come to our church. This is just as much for you as them so that you can learn to bless people without always expecting something in return. It's how Jesus works. It's how agape love works. So when, when, we, when we're out, especially, specifically when we're outside these doors, because this isn't the church, you are. We're outside. The, I don't know, there's a bottle in my hand. I'm going to throw it at you. When you're outside these doors... Um, that's when ministry really starts. We get together in here and talk about it, and I love it. But when you walk outside these doors, especially, in, and next week, I expect you guys to be here early because we want to minister to all these guys that are bringing their cars out here and to hang out. And the Azalea Trail Maids and everything like that, we want to we be able to minister to them and hang out and talk to them. And that's part of what we do. It's, it should be a very natural thing. It's very natural for me because I like cars. So 
let it be natural for you if you do. If not, then I'll probably get outside of your gift for one day. <laughs> You'll be all right. You may, you like caffeine. That's everybody's gift, right? <laughs> all right, stand up with me. I'll let you guys get out of here. I know you have some Mother's Day stuff to do. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Father, bless Tiffany. Yes, Jesus. Lord, thank you that, um, that you have created us all individually, um, but you didn't create us to be islands. Lord, we we're made to be together. You even said in the first scripture that I read that uh, you were speaking that we, speaking of you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we, you created us from community for community. Lord, you created us to be around other people. We, we are supposed to be around other people, and we're supposed to build each other up. Lord, we're, help us to see where others are weak and we're strong that we can build them up. And lift them up, Lord. Also help us to see where we're weak and we recognize where someone else is strong and for us not to be too proud to accept help. Sometimes that can be a more difficult thing for us. Lord, help us to receive and accept help from other people. You've placed them there for a reason. Lord, we are your body. Lord, help us to work together in unity. In Jesus' name, amen.